Welcome to the Live Leadership Podcast with myself, Leela Singh. All things coaching, career, and personal branding. This podcast is for ambitious career professionals like you, wanting to create a life of choice and freedom, to be, do, and have more through overcoming limitations, to develop new perspectives and insights, and to redefine your success, be that in work, health, relationships, and so much more. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Ian Moyce. Ian is the Chief Revenue Officer at 1UP Sales, and he's also an industry cloud social influencer and is widely published on matters of cloud and sales leadership. Passionate about computing since the age of 14 and falling into sales at the age of 20, Ian embraces sales as a skilled profession. He moved from a sales role to a management role at the age of 23, developing over the years into a sales leader in the cloud industry. Ian is experienced in cloud and software sales and marketing, successfully scaling sales, creating and managing high-performing sales teams and opening new markets. He has experience of a wide range of sales disciplines, including building direct, indirect and inside sales teams, both in the UK and EMEA and also the US, as well as 10 plus years experience in leading direct selling teams. He's been recognized for many accolades, including amongst other, UK Sales Director of the Year for the BESMA Awards, the top 50 keynote speaker in 2019 and 2020. And in 2014, he was ranked ninth worldwide for the most influential in sales lead management. Ian is called upon to blog and social influence by many leading brands and also judges the Women in Sales Awards, Top Sales Awards and speaks often on social selling, sales leadership and personal branding. In this episode, Ian will be sharing his view that no matter what role we are in, we are all in sales. How we can best present ourselves at interview and be a standout candidate. Why a job interview is a sales conversation. The key differentiator between communication and conversation. And why asking questions in the workplace is a positive attribute to have. So let's head over and hear what Ian has to say. Ian, hello there and welcome to My Brand HQ. How are you doing today? Leela, I'm fantastic today and uh, look forward to having a, a conversation with you. Definitely, most definitely. There's a lot that I want to cover with you. And I want to start by asking you about your views on a belief that I have. And my belief is that no matter what role we're in, whatever we're doing, we're all in sales. What is your view on that, your perspective? Yeah, I, I agree. And I'll give it context, though, because I know sometimes you, you get individuals arguing that you know, I'm, I'm not a salesperson, I don't want to be a salesperson. Firstly, um, I think that's because sales has this bad rap. I even get salespeople, right? We've all seen it, salespeople whose titles doesn't say sales, it's some illustrious title. You go, and when you get to the bottom, but you're a sales, right? Well, well yeah, it's like, are you sales or not? Just say you are, there's nothing. But it's because there's a lot of bad reputation, right? About unprofessional selling. Um, and, so I'm talking, there is a, a professional selling is a, a professional career with ethics and authenticity and 
everyone in the business contributes to sales and support sales, right? Finance is critical that they invoice the customer correctly and they are polite when they talk to customers. Guess what? If not, guess where the customer's going back to the salesperson. I, I signed up to your business. Salesperson takes the rap that they, that they made that connection. They made that happen. So everyone that touches a customer, whether it be actually speaking to them, communicating with them, or does something in the background which affects a customer, so impacts sales in a positive or negative way and or renewals of customers staying with you and churn. So I'd say everyone um, is responsible for sales and has an impact on sales, but you don't have a sales role because that has certain cadences and metrics around it. That, that's how I context it, if that helps. Totally. And, and that's exactly it. And I talk about this so much. I think people, particularly if they're not client, external client facing in an organization, they forget that actually it's still important that they've got internal customers, as you've just given some great examples there. And ultimately, we want people to buy into us. We want people to, to know, like, and trust us in whatever role we're doing. So ultimately, we're in sales, right? Yeah. And I think yeah. it's important for people to, to recognize that um, and the importance of that if they're looking to advance their, their career. So tell me, um, when it comes to your personal brand, one of the definitions I talk about around this often is that others' perceptions of you is your personal brand. So how would you say with your experience, how can we best present ourselves when it comes, for example, to interviewing? Yeah, and I totally agree. I'm glad you context personal brand in that way. Um, I often talk about it with being about it being online because that's the sphere I work on being in the tech sector. Um, and it's the one you can impact, I guess, the most, most easily, particularly in the remote COVID world that we've lived in, that people vi visually pick up online. We're, we're, you know, we're on camera now. That is part of your personal brand. You've got your poster behind you there and, and, and looking and, you know, settled in the right way. And I've got the brand here. You could argue I've got the brand colors on, although it's just accidental. But it, it's about how you come across, how you are perceived. Um, and that's the risk factor, I guess. It, it's the other's perception. And what can you do to control others' perception as best you can in any interaction or anything they see of you to be in the positive manner that you wish? So what can you do, do for that? Well, it's thinking about, you know, the, we're, we're, in the world before all this online side and, and certainly online interviewing that people are doing more of now with video interviewing, it was it, you'd think about going to something, whether it be an me, important meeting in sales or an interview, and you'd, you'd think about the basics, right? First impressions count, we've all heard. First impressions made in the first five seconds or two minutes, or there's all these different, but they're all pretty much saying the same thing and telling you um, dress appropriately, behave appropriately, and, you know, what you're doing is being interpreted, even if it's subconscious. The other person is probably not there with a tick list going, firm handshake, uh, uh, yep, shiny shoes, yep. But subconsciously, that's being picked up. And what will come out at the back end is, hey, they seem pretty organized, or they seem pretty prepared, or they didn't. There'll be general generalizations come out, but you're dealing with another human who makes micro decisions. You can't, they can't help it. We've all sat somewhere and someone's walked in and you're, and you're oh my God, they look a bit. You do it right, it's, na it's nature. Yeah. I remember to give perfect context to this, 
going to a horror film festival in Manchester many, many years ago with a friend of mine. We drove all the way up um, in, it was a some derelict cinema area. There was buildings knocked down. It was like, where are we? This doesn't seem very safe. And then all of the people that turned up were like bikers and stuff and heavy, tattooed and leathers. And, and we were nervous, right? But we got on with them all like a house fire. But our first impression was, uh-oh, there's be trouble. And there was nothing. They were all lovely people. But that, you know, it, we all do that. We all make judgmental Judge. based on the yeah. background you've got and the context. So you've got to think it, bring it back to your interview thing. How are you going to be perceived? And this isn't about me saying to you, be suited and booted, be um, dressed in a particular way. It's be appropriate. And I say to this on social, on your social profiles, make sure what you put across is appropriate to the sector and who you're dealing with. So it's fine having a picture of you dressed as a clown if you're a children's entertainer because it's expected. If you were there as a children's entertainer and your social profiles and your business card showed you suited and booted, it's just gonna not work against you. Dress as a clown, it's appropriate, it's expected. But don't do it in reverse, right? If, if you're selling to blue chip organizations in the city, what judgments, what perceptions are they gonna be as your, as your viewer, your persona? And the same in recruitment. If you're going for jobs in a certain area, Put yourself in their shoes. And this is a bit I think people forget, even in sales. Put yourself in their shoes and think, what would I be looking for? What, what sort of best guess? You, you don't know the individual, but best guess, how are they going to think about this? And here's the other beautiful thing. Go and look them up. If you're being interviewed by two or three people, ask, oh, yeah, you're going to come in and you're going to see three people. Okay, can, can, may I ask who they are? It's an appropriate thing. Find out who they are, look them up. A, they'll see that you viewed their profiles, but look them up. How do they portray themselves? What can you read about them? Look in their profile, what do they tell you? You can get a good feel for, okay, how am I gonna prepare for this? How, how do I need to come across in this engagement to, in, a, in effect, win the sale? When win the sale is win the placement, right? Be placed. And I do a lot of interviewing of candidates and I've been the candidate. So I hope they've got good context of both sides. Yeah, I love everything you just said there. I've scribbled down some points just to, to, to feed back with you. And, and I guess before I do that, one question particularly is, you know, you talked about both personal brand online and in person, the sort of the offline versions, the, how you show up. How can people ensure congruency between the two? Because I always say it's the easiest thing to sit and write or even pay somebody to write a beautiful LinkedIn profile for you or create one. Um, yet when you show up in person and that's in person, even on a Zoom call, you want to ensure you're congruent with that. So what are the important things to think about or to, to be able to do to ensure that you're aligned? And I, I've got my view on this. I'm interested to hear yours. So I think it's a fundamental, and I advise people of this in social in general, when I teach social selling or personal branding, is be authentic. So if by getting some help, it, it's making you inauthentic, don't do it. Right. So if I see I'm going to engage with someone, whether it's sales, recruitment, whatever the thing is, I'm going to engage with someone, I check them out. I do my research on, on that individual. If I spot there's an, an area of absolute connection, you know, for example, they went to Southampton University, my hometown, or there's something where I can use a context point 
that I might talk to them about, great, do it. But if it's not, what I'm not going to do is fake it and go, oh, yeah, Southampton, I know Southampton well. And then they say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and oh, well, do you know this place? No, never been there in my life, but I'm making it up. You can't. So you've got to be authentic. And there's nothing wrong with, with not having a connection. It, it doesn't always work. Right? It, it's If there's a genuine area of connection based on people that you both know, places you both went, you worked at the same company, but at different times, whatever it may be, it's authentic to use that in a conversation. Go, oh my God, we just missed each other working at such and such. I think you were there a year before me. Did you, did you, were you there when so-and-so was there as the CEO? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he used to do that, yeah. And go away, you, you can build rapport from it, but you cannot fake it. So if you're getting help from someone else, there shouldn't be any congruency issue in my effect, because if there is, you, you're not going to be authentic. You're, you're pretending to be something you're not in one of those two areas. And you will be caught out because they won't you're basically even if you think it's a small white lie making the two naturally be the same you've got to be thinking about it and that's the same with your cv and your linkedin profile by the way the number of times i see they're not synced and i always look at both and i spot things that prompt me to ask questions that then give the candidate discomfort well you know, if you've left something off the CV, but you've got it on your LinkedIn or vice versa, you, you know, you, you've chosen to do that and it, it, it doesn't take much to spot the difference. Yeah, yeah. And I want to delve into that a little bit more shortly. But before we do, a couple of things there just to comment on. So I liked your advice there about put yourself in other people's shoes. So imagine what you would like to see or experience when you're meeting someone or when you're working with those people. And you talked about, as an example, you know, whether it's suited or booted, you know, the smartness of how you're carrying yourself, the handshake, all of that. And again, with personal branding, for me, probably the most important thing is how other people feel when they hear your name mentioned. It's it's that feeling, which is the subconscious that you mentioned there. Yeah. Uh, when they hear your name mentioned again, is it going to be, oh, yeah, that person who showed up really professional, they're prepared, they're confident. Or is it the person who perhaps hasn't taken much time to prepare and present themselves well for an interview, let's say, or even in the workplace, you know, they're starting their first day at work. It's the same thing. And, and as you say, it's important to remember that we, to some degree, everyone judges, but there's a huge part of that we can influence by what we do and the actions that, that we express and have when we show up. Yeah. So yeah, I, when I I'm really... hiring someone, when I'm like to that point, good prompt to me for something. When I'm hiring someone, I don't say to them when they come in the door, you've got the job. They've got the job before they come in the door, right? I want to hire the next person in. I don't want to look at 50 candidates. I don't want to, I'm not enjoying the interviewing process. I want this to go on for three months. The next step, I, the fact I'm seeing you, you've got the job until you take it away from yourself. That's where my mind starts is right. Like what are you yeah. going to do? How far away from you've got the job are you going to take me? And the candidate does their own damage. And give me some examples of that damage, things that people perhaps wouldn't think are obvious. Oh, okay. oh where do I start? <laughs> so I'm really Particularly as most of the time I'm recruiting salespeople. And in my opinion, salespeople should be the best at this process because what do you do in a sales job? You talk to people you don't know, you want to sell to them, right? So you want to qualify them. You talk to people you don't know, you're selling 
something to them. So you're asking, you're trying to find out what do they need, what the problems are, and what can I, what do I have that might solve that and give them value, right? Well, in, a, in an interview process, you're doing the same thing, but the product's you. So, right, it's no different. You're, you're you want to research the person, research the company, figure out what you're going to say, have good questions, listen. When they say something, question again. Use, your, use all the behaviors you've been trained to do. And yet what I see is people go, go into like interview mode. I, I, what, I, I just, that's the only thing I can put it down to. So to give you examples, you're gonna get the job before you come in and a salesperson comes in and sits there and lets me take, waits for questions. So I ask a question, they give me an answer, okay? And then wait for another question and they give me an answer. Now they're putting all the work on me of, Okay, question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. So there's a formulaic old school interview process. They often, I've got my pad here, right? And talking to you with a pen, old school. Uh, they often sit there and just might have a suit on. Okay, tick, I've done those things. And then sit there, no pad, nothing taken out of the bag. No, nothing to show me there's preparation gone in or they care about it. You know, they might have a shopping list in front of them for all I know, but at least it gives the perception of, boy, do you care? I like to see people with lots of notes. And occasionally I say, out of interest, what, 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 you've got notes there. What have you done? Well, I've got all the things I learned about you, all the things about the company, the questions I want to make sure I get answered. Um, da, 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 da. Okay. How do, I'm looking for, how, how it's your persona. What, what are you showing me how you behave? Not that you just wing it up and sit there. Um, so there's simple mistakes like that they make and behavior that they let you just take control. The other one that I think people fall into the trap of in interview mode is I ask a question and then I get, and I, I often just, there's a point at which you stop this, but I let it roll is how long are they going to give on this one question? Right. I've asked a question. No one ever asks. That's interesting. Give me some context. Why are you asking that question? Now you don't do that when it's where did you where, how long have you been somewhere before some basic but some questions warrant being able to ask and say okay I don't want to misunderstand that just give me a bit more context of what, what why you're asking that it buys you time to think and shows you that you it's a two-way thing but I've had people go for 20 minutes and they're still going and, I, and it's a point of am I going to go for the world record answer or do I do I interject because they're talking their way out of it already. And they're not answering, and, and I've forgotten what my question was now. Right, so it, it's, for me, it should be a conversation. Forget it's an interview. You're both figuring out if there's a good match here where you can bring value to each other. And I think where I'd advise people is be careful right now, People, some people have been furloughed for a long time, whatever. It's very easy, I think, to be to, to drift into I'm desperate for this role and letting that come across. There is nothing wrong with stating at some point, you know, I'm really keen on this role. I have struggled during the past year because of this or the family, whatever it is, being authentic, but don't let it take control of your behavior. And I've watched it happen and you feel for people, but you don't want to see that, that it's taken over them. Mm. Right? Give an answer and make it a conversation, a chat, you know? So, yeah, and I'm really, can I ask you a question then? 
when they've asked you a question, can, do you mind if I ask you a question? Don't let it all be. Here's all their questions. And right at the end, um, do you have any questions? Yeah, I've got some questions. You're, you're, you're being subservient. What, why are you being subservient? Because they've got a job and you want it. It doesn't come across well, in, in, and it makes it hard for me as the interviewer, to be, to be frank, but all the pressure's on me to, I want it to be engaging. I want to come out of that going, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the com conversation. Yeah. That makes sense. And, and, and exactly that, what you said there about the conversation, it's about having a conversation and you, it's like sales, right? If you're talking at your prospect, you're losing. Um, if you're asking questions, and you're developing the rapport and building a conversation around it, you're winning. And if you, to your point, if you're selling yourself, which you are at an interview, you want to be doing exactly the same thing. You want to make it conversational. And also something um, I'm here, interested to hear your view is, as well as doing the research about the company and about the person, it's about expressing that during the interview. Because I see an interview as a two-way process. It's not just you the hirer interviewing me to see if I'm the right fit for your organization. It's, um, do I feel that you're the right organization for me? Yeah, totally agree, totally agree. And I, I, I've, I use that verbiage when, I took, when I'm interviewing someone and I've been, I'm interviewing at the moment and I've said to people, you know, I'm gonna be transparent, ask anything you like, as long as it's not company confidential, so I ask anything you like and I'm gonna share with you um, because no, Nothing in any, no role or organization is absolutely perfect in every single way. Can't be. Number of, I've joined every company that's been some system problem or that doesn't integrate and we have to manually, whatever it be, um, is I tell people, and I've done this throughout my career when I'm interviewing people is, I tell them it as it is on the basis of, if, if we should decide together that this is the right thing to do and move forward, when you join, you're not suddenly going to go, oh, God, I, this isn't what I signed up for. The role's different than I expected, or this is different expectations than I expected. And you, you, you want me to come to the office four days a week? Well, that wasn't given to me. You know, I don't want people joining and then leaving. It's not good for you, can, a candidate. It's not good for me in any way. I'd rather, as a candidate, if we discuss it now and you decide, you know what, this isn't for me because... I'm not going to try and convince you around it and go, yeah, 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 but, but, but we can change. It's, it is what it is. This is the role. This is the square peg hole we've got. I'm finding out if you're a good fit. There, there might be some edges that eh, it's not, but is it more a good fit than it's not? Same as if I'm saying to a customer, is what we've got the right thing for you? And it can't be right for everyone every time, nor can a candidate. And I've had candidates say, do you know what? Actually, I appreciate that. And I, I, I've given it some thought and I want to back out the process because of those things. I, that's not so much what I want to do. Totally fine. Yeah. Totally fine because we've made the right decision now when it's less costly than trying to take corrective action in three, four months into a role. So it's a definitely a two-way process. I, I endorse that fully. Mm. No, I'm glad you do. I'm glad you do. Because I think a lot of people fail to realise that. And it leads me to a question. It was actually a conversation I had yesterday evening with a friend who's going through her job search at the moment. And she said to me, um, you know, so she's, she's gone through this interview process at a company that she really likes. Um, and she explained to me that 
one of the people who interviewed her was essentially her peer. So if she was to get the role, they'd be on a peer level. And her question was, do you think I should bother connecting with that person on LinkedIn? And my view is, probably similar to yours, is networking is, is, is critical, who you know. It's not, sorry, it's not who only about who you know, it's about who knows you. And no matter the level they're at, if yeah. they're in the right industry, the right um, type of organization, type of role, because this was a specific role as well. Yeah. Um, you want to build your network within either of those, depending on which, which is relevant. Therefore, always a great opportunity to reach out and connect, unless you, the interview's gone that badly that you really don't want to keep that connection. As long as it's, it's either gone neutrally or really well, you want to reach out. So what, what's your view on that? I, I totally agree. So it's, it's multiple, multiple vectors on this one. One is, it's another contact for you, whether you take the job or not. Right. If that individual, if you had good rapport with that individual, who's to know that in three years' time that individual hasn't gone somewhere else and you're going there and they're there and you bump into them? Okay. So I've had that happen multiple times where I look for I'm looking at a role and the first thing I do is look who works there. I know. Second thing I look at is who are the people that I'm going to engage with in the process and who are they connected with that I know. And I then reach out to those people and say, Do you, do you really know Bob? Do you really know Sue? Um, to find out, if nothing else, how many people have done this, find out who you could be interviewed by, see who you've got as a joint connection, um, reach out to those people. Have a, have a, if someone says, oh yeah, I know them. Oh, do you mind if we jump on a call jump and have a conversation with them? What, 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 what's Bob like? I've got an interview coming up with him. What's, what's, he like, what's he like as a character? What am I to expect? Because if nothing else, you've prepared yourselves a little, a little bit better. If, if they say, oh, He's, he's going to come across as a real hardball character, but he's a lovely chap, but he, he portrays that to see how you react. Oh, but now going in, you know, you're ex you, you've got some expectations, not going to throw you off kilter. The more, for me, the more prepared you are for something, the more you know what's coming, you can still, things will sideball you and you're not expecting, but you're more in a comfort zone, right? Yeah because you know what you're walking into. How many people walk into a weird situation, going to get your COVID injection, going somewhere you don't know, where have I got to go? Is the parking? Um, how, how early have I got to get there? Then when you get there, where, where am I going? Because it's just an unknown experience. It throws you off kilter a little bit. The more you can prepare, you look up somewhere and go, well, where's the nearest parking? Okay, and okay. The more you get sorted, the less frantic you become, the less you put yourself in a, a negative position before you even start a conversation, remove, control the controllables. Yeah. Right? You can't control everything, but if you can find something out about the individual. So to your, to answer your question in a long way, I'd say, yep, absolutely connect, send them a nice message. Um, you know, Dave, uh, so I really, I really enjoyed meeting with you as part of the process. And regardless of the outcome, I'd really, uh, I'd really welcome your valued connection as, as uh, you know, we may bump into each other again, because if nothing else, how does that come across to, to them? How do you know that individual isn't going to get asked internally? What do you think about it? Oh, I thought they were quite good. And, and out of the three people you had me meet, they're the only one that reached out with a nice message saying how they might not even say that. They might, they might just warm to you even more because you said, I really enjoyed our conversation and meeting you. Well, that's nice. The other two didn't even reach out at all. Yeah. Every, every opportunity for a positive 
genuine and authentic. So to your point, if you had a horrible time, don't send them a, I really enjoyed the meeting where you, we, we really bumped heads, right? It's, if it, it's gotta be genuine and authentic, but why not? Because for me, it's another touch point in that organization and you don't know who listens to who. Why did they have you meet one of your peers? Think about that. Why did they choose to do it? I've done that many times and I then ask them, and again, this is the thinking it through. If they're having you meet one of your peers that you're going to be working alongside, I bet one of the questions they'll ask them afterwards is, could you work with them? Would they fit the team? What do you think? That, that's one of the context things, right? They're not going to say, well, would they be good reporting to me? They make their own decisions, but they'll ask things. Of, Why did they have a, that individual meet them? Because they'll have different things they want their opinion of. And for me, when I've done that, it's been, do you, do you think they'll get on with the team? Do you think they'll fit in? And I want to hear, yeah, I think I really enjoyed the, I really enjoyed it. I think they'll do a great thing. And, and also they may have asked them stuff that I didn't because, and, and they may have let their guard down and discuss things with a peer. The other beauty is your two way thing. It lets them ask someone doing that job. And that's what I always encourage them. Look, meet someone who's doing the job you're going to come in to do and ask them whatever you like. Yeah. Ask them what it's like, ask them what I'm like as a manager, right? Totally. I love this because <laughs> again, you're just reinforcing my belief around things, but I think something that people oftentimes aren't aware of, they've not heard it before. It's, it's, it is, it's a conversation. It's a two-way process. It's an exploration exercise on both sides. And I think that's what needs, because you said old school, old school is you go in, you sit there quietly, you get asked a bunch of questions and you leave and that's it. Yeah. So yeah, I think, things have definitely evolved over the last well, few years. The hiring manager change your game as well and be willing to give feedback and discuss it. All of the candidates I've gone through recently, when I've sent them back and they've sent the CV, I've given them feedback of this unfortunate and we're not moving forward, but my, and I, I wanna give you some feedback, which is my opinion, but in hope that it might help you for other roles. And I've given them guidance and said, well, I spotted this and this may be uncomfortable this. And I've had several, quite a few of them come back and say, uh, thank you so much and thank you for the feedback because no one ever no one's ever said that before or gives me feedback well what's the harm in doing that you don't be derogatory or, or hammering them or not look at it's to help them right it's to did you know you know there's there's some areas of you see this this sent it the wrong way or you haven't whatever it may be they've given you their time and for me quite a few of them have then wanted to connect with me for me um, I don't know where I'm going to bump into them in the future. They might be a customer in the future. Imagine that they were a customer and I'm trying to sell to them. What are they going to think? What's Ian's personal brand that they remember? He was authentic. He was respectful. He gave me a bit more of his time than anyone else seems to get. He was respectful of, I gave him some of my time for an interview and applying and going through this process. Um, and then what happens normally? Thank you so much, but here's a corporate letter saying, and I've been in that candidate position in the past six months. And getting that where it's a blanket there's no understanding of what i thought was ideal for the role what was this some automated system passed my cv and an automated message has come out later to say sorry how that gives me a negative opinion makes me feel like a number yeah yeah so the three things i've picked up there you talked about are preparation authenticity and the things that you can do to build rapport, which are all very, very important aspects. 
And just going back to what we mentioned earlier about LinkedIn and your CV, tell me a little bit about that, because what I see people often do is um, replicate their CV onto LinkedIn. So yeah. tell me about that. What are, what are, what are your thoughts? Well, well, they make sure they're, they're, they're both, I think we all were congruent with each other, because that, that's a biggest faux pas, right, is I get people, there's the CV, and then I look online and there's two jobs they had in between that weren't listed. Well, I'm going to ask you questions about them. And, and one of the questions would be, why haven't you put them on your CV? If I can find it, it's public domain information. So make sure they're factually accurate together. Here's the difference. Here's the difference between your CV and LinkedIn. You choose in, 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 the, in wholesome, although you, you, there are systems out there you can publish it, but in, you choose who gets to see your CV. It's viewed as a confidential document and your CV is where, from, in my opinion, you have the ability to put more confidential information and more relevant stuff, such as the, the earnings you were making, the targets you hit, graphs of company performance and this sort of thing. Here's how I impacted this with evidence, right? You, anything that goes on LinkedIn needs to be, you need to have permission that it's public domain. Okay, so you can put more color and more detail in a CV and that's how it should be. So for example, my CV as a sales leader has performance graphs of different companies, what the results were, example deal values, examples, real color about what I achieved there, which customers I signed and stuff. And what I'm doing there is, is one is validating with facts, not just saying I did a great sales increase of number. Well, okay. I can, anyone can cut and paste that. Where's the evidence? I'm giving you evidence to show I understand in your shoes that you're going to see loads of people saying similar things that who's going to say, I'm a really, I haven't been doing really good sales performance. Everyone's going to say similar words, right? Well, it's the evidence that, so there's the evidence. Um, and the other thing in, for your CV is you can put quotes from people that might, you can get endorsements that maybe aren't public on LinkedIn. Um, so anything that's on LinkedIn can be used in your CV. Anything's on your CV can't, by definition, automatically be used on LinkedIn, number one. Number two is you can't control who comes to look at your LinkedIn profile, right? It, it, people might be looking at it now and you're not even on the market. There may be a headhunter looking for people of certain skills and filtering it down using LinkedIn Recruiter Edition and you're in there. You may have a fantastic CV, may be awesome, but your LinkedIn profile looks mediocre. You haven't got a good profile picture or any profile picture, still some out there. Um, and it, it doesn't tell who you are, right? Think about that. Someone's going to read it. If you read mine, I think in the in the, the, the headline piece at the top, I talk about at four, I got into computing at age 14 because I haven't given my life story, but there's a little bit of color. And then there's, you can gauge from my, hopefully, and I'm still always improving mine and looking at it and looking at what other people do, but you can gauge, I care about the, the profile that I give and it gives demonstrations and examples of my work here we're doing this guess what this will be an asset that I can put on LinkedIn as part of my content and on each role I've worked in if I've spoken at an event and there's a picture of it I put that under that role so you can get an impression by looking through it's not just text there are pictures of me speaking there are blogs that I've written there's you can see okay we can see what Ian contrib contributes and what he does by just glancing through and hopefully, if I'm compared to a peer for a particular role, I stand out as something different. That I go the extra mile, that I do things they don't, that I, it's all about 
if people are filtering down, being at the top of the, you know, at least being in the top percentage of the, of the profile. Because people, yeah. worst thing for me when I look at it, I'm sure you get to hear this, is you get lots of CVs now, probably more during COVID, because of a lot of people in an unfortunate circumstance. Um, put a roll out, you get a lot of CVs, you have to do some level of filtering. Um, and I filter through and look at it and I look at certain things I'm looking at. And if I look at a LinkedIn profile, I always look at them. Even if you've sent me the CV, I want the CV to have the LinkedIn profile link on it. Number one, there's, there's number one fault you've made is if you send me a CV and I have to go and find your LinkedIn profile and try and match it up and check it's the right one. Why didn't you just give me the link? Because I'm going to do it anyway. All you've done is hindered me doing it, but I'm still going to do it. You're not stopping me doing it. And then when I get there, if I find actually there's hardly anything on the profile and there's no picture you've just particularly in a sales role you've just lost me because you're telling me you don't care either you don't care or you don't get it the world that we now live in um yeah so i think it's, it's about caring about these things and nurturing both both of them your cv needs to be kept up to date but i think your linkedin needs to be kept up to date more because your linkedin is always out there whether you're looking for a job it's not about looking for a job Customers will look at it, you know, colleagues will look at it. If you're working in a business as a, as a manager or leader, your candidates may look at it. Yeah. So very true. And I also um, recommend to people, and they don't always get it either, which is interesting, is that if you are on the job market or you, you know, you want to keep your eyes out for something, and for example, if they come to me and I know somebody that I want, that I want to recommend them to you, okay, yeah. and they've got a poor LinkedIn profile, because I know if I go, Ian, there's this guy who's looking for a job right now, and I know you're hiring, I think it'd be a good conversation to have. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to go and look at their LinkedIn profile. And if their LinkedIn profile is not, as you say, it doesn't have a good photograph, a banner, et cetera, et cetera, that's a reflection of me in your eyes that I've recommended this person who hasn't taken the time to present themselves well on LinkedIn. And also it's a bad reflection on the person I'm introducing. Yeah. They've yep. lost themselves a favor from me. It's not helped my relationship. I've called in a favor. I've lost that favor. And An it, easy it, way to validate it, Lila, if I may, is look at my profile. If you're sending it to me, look at my profile. Do I care about my LinkedIn? If I do, I'll care about theirs. If, I, if mine's blank, that's the only rare instance you're going to get away with it, I think, because they, they're going to have two people of the same opinion. Yeah. So I don't care about mine. But here's, here's a gotcha on that. I know senior people who, and I'd argue incorrectly and all the rest of it, but I don't have, you know, a really basic or just have a login profile. But they care about what other people's are. I'm not employing a salesperson if they don't care about it. But hang on a minute. So you can't even assume that. But that's the only instance I think you might. If you look at mine, I care about it. I nurture the profile. You're absolutely right. You're going to take one look and go, well, if I send him something, he's going to he's going to have the my mind. Where's my mindset in my shoes? Mm. What am I going to do? Guess what? You're right. I'm going to look. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's so so important. And it's I almost treat LinkedIn as a bit like your it's your shop window. Your CV is kind of the factual aspects of what you've done. But you, again, we come back to sales. You're selling yourself on LinkedIn. It's your shop window, so you yep. need to present yep. it well. Yeah. The other hint I'd say, though, you say LinkedIn is, I would also for any candidate be aware, just be aware 
of anything else you've got on social media or on the, the internet, right? Don't assume, I will look at Twitter accounts. I will search their name in Google. And if it shows Facebook and Twitter and I click and I can access it because they haven't made it friends only or whatever. And I, right, they, you can argue, well, you shouldn't, well, it's a, but you're going to represent our organization. Yeah. You know, now, if you've got drunken party pictures on Facebook, that's fine, right? Because that's the place for it. But it, but sometimes there's other stuff that's political or inappropriate opinion that you may be sharing. That immediately, guys, that you've you've left it open, and you know, is is a swear words in any of your posts, for example. I'm very careful not to have profanity in posts. Um, we all poke joke joke images to our friends and whatever, or maybe on Instagram but I still consider what am I posting if a customer or an employer were to see my, those profiles, would I be nervous in any way? And if I am, I shouldn't be posting that then. <laughs> yeah. But it's a pretty simple thing, right? If you don't care or you're in an industry where they, they won't care, but that's a choice you're making. Once it's out there, it's out there. It's very hard to remove it um, and undo it. And look how many, here's, here's what I give as a final point in this one. Look how many things we've seen on TV. There was one recently where a BBC presenter, and I'm going to get, I'm not going to guess his name because I forget it, but I remember he posted something which was a quote and didn't realise the, the alternate connotation of that quote. And he's been taken off the BBC after 20 odd, 30 odd years because it was deemed it could be interpreted as racist, but it's not how he intended it. Everyone stood up for him and said he's not, oh my God, but he uses these, I don't know if it's Shakespearean or something, quotes all the time. And in today's world, that quote went the wrong way, but it was on social. So the world saw it, he was in a public position and he, he... so you just got to think, think about what's going to be seen, search your name in Google on, a, on someone else's browser, because yours is biased or do it in an incognito session and just have a look. Just have a look what someone else would see if a recruiter searched you tomorrow, what might they find? Because people always say to me, well, it's never, it's never hurt me before. My answer is you don't know. Unless they've told you they found it, they won't tell you a negative. So how many people did you not get shortlisted for, but they've seen something or interpreted something, but they haven't been decent enough to give you the feedback so you can learn from it? Yeah. You don't know. Absolutely, absolutely. And and just tell me a little bit about, um, you know, people talk about communication and also conversation. So tell me what is the difference there, particularly when it comes to having those conversations for, for your next role? Yeah, and this is a big bugbear of mine. I've probably mentioned to you before is, we, and we say, I think we've seen a heightened increase of this over this remote working time. So communication does not equal conversation, but people often misinterpret. So here, let me give you a real world example. I will get a salesperson say, how do you get on with such and such prospective customer that we may be talking to? Now, I chatted to them yesterday and X, Y, and Z. Now I've learned and trained myself and I advise other sales leaders to do the same is, okay, when they say that, do, do what you're trained to do and ask questions. When you say chatted, just tell me what that was. Because your mind tells you chatted means spoken in some manner, right? It does. And yeah. they go, Oh yeah, no, no, no. I, we 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 went back and forth on WhatsApp. Really? Okay. Or email, or Slack, or whatever. Right. Okay. 
So that's fine, but that's not a conversation, that's a communication. And I, that's what I always want to know clearly, is it in the bucket of one or the other? Which bucket was it in? Because a communication has its place. Email has it, I'm not going to be stupid to say, you shouldn't use email, you shouldn't use WhatsApp, whatever, they have their place. But there are also times when they shouldn't be used. So how many times have you had something from someone and you thought, oh my God, they're angry, oh, oh, oh okay. I'll email them back because they come across as I'm really not happy. You know, we're keyboard warriors. I'm really not happy with that meal that we had at your restaurant, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Why didn't you have a conversation when you were there and the waiter said, um, how's the meal? Oh, it's fine. You get home that night. Here goes the email. <laughs> now that restaurant often will email back. People will email back because that's the other bugbear I've got is people stick to the same channel. So the two things for me are conversation doesn't equal communication and change the channel. So if someone does something like that, what's wrong with saying, really disappointed to hear that, what's the best time that we could call you on to discuss resolving this matter? Now it's a conversation and guess what? When it's a conversation, people react differently. It's, it's, it's much, less, much less likely someone's gonna shout at you when it's a human. People are quite brave behind a keyboard. We see it every day on social media. But when they're actually talking to me, would you say that to their face? Uh, why don't you tell the waiter? Why do you tell the waiter? Because you didn't want to front up to it, right? So get them on a call. And then you can also hear the tonality. Often people aren't angry. I've had this with people. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, we have to deal with this. I said, I'll call them. I'll call them. Tell them you've escalated it to someone senior that we want to know because we're concerned about that. So that makes them feel important. But, uh, but it's a phone call. I'm not emailing them. And I get them on a call. And they'll be nice as fuck. Yeah, I'm really sorry about, I'm sorry about complaining. Okay. But, but I really felt, no, no, no. Thank you for highlighting it to us. Please tell me what was wrong and how could we do this? And how could we do better? And often they're not after something, right? People think, oh, what do they want? Often they just want to vent or, or feel heard. And a conversation is more human to do it. If it's then after the call, I've offered them, let's say it's a restaurant and you've offered them a, a, a 30 pound voucher and say, oh my God, thank you so much. Then a communication of that is, is relevant because I'm now going to confirm, thank you so much for, for understanding. And, it, and this is the voucher and here's a, it's giving them some facts and validation and, and, and touching them again. So there are points where I, I've spoken to a prospect customer this morning, conversation. I'm going to send them an email, communication to confirm what we discussed, to confirm answers to the couple of questions I couldn't answer and I've, I've promised to come back on even if it's I haven't got the answers yet but I haven't forgotten and these were the questions and I'm going to get you answers and then when I get the answers if they're just facts that are clear it will be a communication again if however there's actually it's not as simple as that I need to it depends on the answer if this and whether we can do that and this I'm going to ping them say that question um are you available for a ch another chat that's a conversation i don't want to go back and forth with misunderstanding coming in so yeah. choose the appropriate channel for the right thing they each have their place too many people in this remote world um i think i don't want to paint youngsters but i'm hearing from a lot of sales leaders it seems to be a younger thing where people go i chatted and it's whatsapp or whatever um coach and train people with this and think about your own behavior of when is a communication relevant what is a conversation relevant and do not do a communication if it should be speaking to someone 
because we've all fallen behind keyboards in this world. It's, it's easy. It is, yeah. And as you say, you know, we've touched on already, you know, the, the personal connection and having a conversation with somebody. You can so easily misconstrue on any other platform of communication, but if you're having the conversation in person, on the phone, on Zoom, whatever it might be, the tonality is there, potentially the body language might be there. People, as you say, won't necessarily lose their temper as they would behind a keyboard because it's easy to get away with it. They're hiding then. But actually having that conversation with someone and being able to speak to them, hear them or see them makes a huge difference to that relationship. And in the recruitment process, think about the, the, here's your carrot for doing it. Which one builds rapport? It's very difficult to build rapport over electronic. It's your, your text, your email looks exactly the same on the screen as someone else's apart from your names at the top, but it looks the same, it's just text. If we do this, we're building rapport and you can, and you can ask questions and you can, you're getting to know someone and feeling warmth towards them. Well, that's what you want if, when, it's, when you're buying a human being, right? You're recruiting, is your, your, the product is a human but you're going to try and do it electronically. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. And what would you say, what, what could someone do best, do you think, to be able to qualify themselves to other people? Explain to me what you mean by the question. Qualify what, that they're the right for the role or not or qualify out? Yeah, to qualify, in, to qualify themselves to others that they're the right person for the role. So I think there's a couple of things there. I think one is ask questions because you don't know, right? From the job spec, you can, you can judge it from the job spec, but what's the color behind that? Because someone's sat down and formulaically written that job spec and they'll forget things and not give the color. When you're talking to them and you ask them, well, what's it like when you do this and what type of this? And well, they're not gonna write that in the job spec, right? What, what sort of, what's the office environment? Like? Or what's the work environment? What, how do people help? And if you have this sort of thing, what, what happens? How would you handle that problem? And if I had a, a customer that's really unhappy and but it's to do with the product or service and, and I'm new, what support would I get? How, how would I handle that? That, that? that stuff's not on there. That stuff gives you the DNA of the business and the DNA of, of how the people think and react. So ask questions, because by asking questions, you, you get more of those, the shape, right? Is it, what, what, is it a square peg? The CV says it's a square peg, I'm a square peg. But by asking the questions, does the, does the shape of the peg change or the hole change? Um, the other thing I think is, is do your research, do your research, because the number of times, you, anything that you, you find out through those questions, a lot of it you would have found out by just doing your research and you should have answered your question already, in which case you might have said, yeah, okay, maybe I don't want to apply for this role. You might have searched the company and found it's a 20,000 person company and you don't want to work in a company that big. You like, you like smaller size you've only ever worked in, in companies of 50 to 100 people and it scares you being in that corporate environment so straight away oh, i didn't realize they were that big maybe that's not that's not my comfort zone mm. it's your choice you're the candidate um research the person you know who's the hiring manager who, who would i report to if you can find that out have a look and see is there anything on there oh someone i know knows them check it in with them you know, and, and you've got to make your own decisions on the data that you get given and how you interpret it. But what if you speak to people and they go, 
Oh no, that was the oh, I would not work for them. Oh my god, absolute tyrant. Oh, micromanagement, bum bum bum. When did you work with them? I, the past couple of years. It's been recent, and um, I know people are still there and they're not happy and they're oh, okay. Why go through the whole process to find that out at the end and waste their time and yours? So I think it's about asking questions during the process, but do research, prepare, prepare, prepare. Yeah. Because there's so much you can find out now in the world that we live in on the internet. I remember a time when you, there was hardly a website, so you couldn't even find out about the, the, the company, hardly. It would be a brochure, right? It would be, what, where would you find out now? The beauty of the web, you can look at not only the company, you can look on Glassdoor, although take it, you know, there's a balance of, is it all true or not? You can look on company review sites about their product or, it, you know, depending what industry there are, they're in, there are, there are third party views out there. You can get a view of what, what a customer's saying. Are their customers all going, oh my God, bad experience. And what reputation have they got? You can find all of this out just doing lots of different types of searches. Yeah. Why would you not do that? Or would you just take it off the one individual, you apply on a form on a website, see what happens and then speak to one individual make that judgment join and then six months later go why did i do this i should have i should have known yeah yeah i think there's a lot more does need to happen and can happen ahead of the actual interview nowadays because they're like you said we've got google at our fingertips you can find everything out you've got linkedin you can connect to people you can have the conversations and it, it to me taking on a new role is a life-changing thing it has a huge impact it's not just about the job itself it's everything else with it and it, it's it's a big decision so it's worth taking the time to do all of those things. if you qualify in and you go through the process by doing that you're better you're in a stronger position anyway if it is something you want because you're more prepared you know more about it and, and your questions that you'll ask will be more intelligent well i noticed in your company annual report last year there was something i was looking through and x y and z and I couldn't quite understand what 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 had happened. What a smart question! If you've spotted something in there, a it tells them. By the way, I looked at it. Okay, and then you've asked a smart question off the back of it. Five other candidates didn't do that. Doesn't mean you get the job, but you're standing out as something different. Someone who cares more. Someone who. What do you want? Do you want to hire? Who do you want to hire? I want to hire the best I can get. Well, give me examples. Demonstrate to me in the process that you're the best I can get. By showing me things and, and behaving in a way that is different to everyone else that's the one i remember the one that stands out for positive reasons not negative but is someone that demonstrates during their behavior in the interview process how diligent how professional they are my assumptive then is well surely they're going to be the same in the role right they, 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 that's the behaviors they're exhibiting yeah and there was a recent example on, on, on LinkedIn um, of a guy who was going for an interview and he researched the person he'd be interviewed by and found he didn't have a Wikipedia page, I think it was, and created one for him. How better to stand out? To that might, be a bit, might be a bit of a gamble e either way, right? But <laughs> yeah, of course. Paid for them, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I wanted to also ask you, you just talked about being a standout candidate in an existing role so going back to sales because we're all in sales how can you stand out again you've been on on both sides of the fence but what what do, does someone need to do to stand out in an organization as an employee 
Yeah, and I don't think that's necessarily about anything to do with social or. Yeah, that's a really good question because it it's going to vary on different roles, right? So I'm, I'm just thinking what generalist value I can give. So I would say through consistent, a couple of things, consistent, consistently productive behavior. I phrase that carefully because people get activity messed up with productivity. Activity is being busy. Productivity is doing the right things that drive the, the, the outcomes that are, are desired. Um, so for example, in sales, do I want a salesperson that just blatantly does 150 phone calls a day, but isn't doing very good results, no pipe building? Or do I want someone that's doing 50 phone calls a day, but is calling the right people, doing the right activity, and is generating pipe and doing numbers? So it's not just activity, it's, it's the right balance of what's the activity that generates the right results and are you doing it in the right manner? Because that demonstrates to me the smarts of understanding what, what's a value to the business. It's the outcome. Now that outcome could be manufacturing more widgets, selling more of this, um, getting payroll done more effectively so people get paid on time and whenever late in commissions or whatever that may be, it fits all areas. Um, so that, that, that's one of them consistent. I think authenticity and transparency. So how you behave, how you are as a character, that you're trusted. Um, I want people, so I'll give you my, from my viewpoint, I want people who will happily say, I'm not going to get that done on time and push back and ask questions, etc. Not just give me a yes and then deliver it late anyway. Right. I want people to ask questions. There's nothing wrong with asking questions whilst you're in a job no matter, how actually, no matter how experienced yeah. you are saying to people i don't know i've just done it to a client a prospective client this morning on two things that were asked and openly said do you know what i wish i knew that answer it's a really good question and i'm thinking about i think there's a way but i don't want to guess i don't want to guess for you so what i'm going to do is i'm going to take a note now i'll ping someone to see if they can give me an answer while i'm speaking to you but if not and then at the end of the call, I reiterated the two things that I couldn't answer that I didn't want to guess at, checked my understanding. I'm going to get, these are the two things I'm left with, right? These are, am I correct? This is my understanding. Yep, good. Now, am I worse off because I couldn't answer them right then? Well, with most people, there's always exceptions. I'd, I'd say no, because what am I going to do? Guess it and answer, be sketchy, or then if they find out later, it doesn't do it that way. Do you know what I've said? When I don't know something, I'm going to make sure I understand it correctly and that you know you can trust that I'm coming back to you on it. And if I can't get the answers today, I will reply with my other stuff as a communication and that I owe you these answers, but unfortunately I couldn't get the answers before I sent you this, but I haven't forgotten. And then I'll go back to them again and the right method of conversational communication. Do that in work, do that internally. There's nothing wrong with saying, I'm the one in meetings that often says, um, it's me again, right? I'm gonna be I'm gonna speak up. I don't understand what 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 that's about. Yeah. Right. And then someone else will go, yeah, I'll, oh yeah, no, me neither. People are scared to say, I don't understand, I don't get it, I didn't understand that word you used. I've taught myself to why, what's the harm in, in being the one? I'm gonna say, oh excuse myself. I, yeah, explain it to me. 
because at least then I know the answer or I go away with them thinking I know. So I, so I perceivably didn't look the dumb one putting my hand up, but I am the dumb one because now I don't know what that was about. And I don't know if I should be doing something or not doing something or if I haven't understood it correctly. So I think the same internally to stand out is be the one that, not ev on everything, you don't want to be going question, 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 question for the sake of it, but that speaks up, that shows genuine interest, is authentic and transparent, work, you know, work hard. It's pretty fundamental stuff, but I think people get too bogged down in politics and perceptions. Do the basics well and do them well consistently. And that's all I've ever done is worked hard and done, the, done what I just described and my opportunities have come to me. I was promoted from inside sales to field sales quite quickly through sheer grunt work. It was like, because I, I, my view was when there's an opportunity comes up, I'm not gonna give them any excuse not to offer me or consider me. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna put them in a position where they haven't got an option, not because I've told them or I'm gonna leave or anything, but because they, they, they're gonna have a discussion and if I'm in their shoes, somewhere they're gonna go, well, we need this new, that someone is going to go, you've got to talk to Ian. You've got to consider Ian. Put them in that position by your behaviour. Yeah. And that's a great way to finish. Thank you, Ian. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. You shared so many golden nuggets there. And I think not only for people in the job market, but even within an organisation and some of the best practices and, you know, words of wisdom on what people need to be considering to, to get themselves to the next level to advance their career so thank, thank you very very much and keep learning right i keep learning i don't know every answer so i'm glad i've given value but i'm still learning from people around me and books and i, I always say i'm not baked yet so don't think because you're in a title or a senior position you know it all everything's changing keep learning yeah Absolutely. And, and on your last point about asking the questions, it's something I had this conversation last week with a couple of people, because I, I, I think people feel vulnerable or that they look weak if they ask the questions. And, and to your point, I'd say, well, wouldn't it be better to be honest and have integrity in what you're saying to people and what you're sharing than get caught out later on? So, yeah. Thanks, Ian. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already done so. And if you enjoyed and gained value from today's episode, then do please leave a review telling us your key learnings and what you enjoyed the most. And do please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can spread the word on life leadership, creating a life of choice, freedom and new possibilities. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And if you would like to learn more about how we can work together, either DM me on LinkedIn or email me. All details and resources can be found in the show notes.